Welcome to the Life in the Rock podcast. Here you'll find a commitment to sharing with others the challenges and joys of our spiritual journey. The goal is to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. My name is Keith Harris. I'm the host of this podcast and the preaching minister for the Winsong Church of Christ in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The church is located at 3 Winsong Drive in North Little Rock. If you're searching for joy and peace in life, I want to encourage you to visit Winsong, where you'll discover the joy and peace that are only found in Christ. Thank you for listening. Well, I want to welcome you to a new series of episodes where we're going to focus on the names of Jesus. Certainly, we see many different names of Jesus used in Scripture, but there are a few primary names that we often think of with regard to those titles of Jesus that we see in Scripture. And so we're going to focus on just a few of those over the next several episodes. But you know, of all the names used in reference to the Lord, Jesus is by far the most frequently used. The name Jesus is seen on billboards, bumper stickers, keychains, and countless other places throughout the world. The enormous frequency of this name is not only seen on advertisements and various other paraphernalia, but in the pages of the New Testament. The use of the name Jesus far outweighs any other name used in the New Testament in reference to Christ. Jesus is used nearly 1,000 times in the New Testament. This title does not appear at all in the Old Testament. And this may be surprising to some. However, given the fact that the Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah reference Emmanuel, which means God with us, it makes sense that Jesus would not be used. But overwhelmingly, Jesus is the preferred title in the New Testament. You know, the origin of the name Jesus is derived from the Hebrew name Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. And it means to deliver or rescue. Yeshua is a name that's not unique to the Lord. In the Old Testament, in Numbers 13, verse 16, after having given a list of names identifying the men selected to spy out the land of Canaan, we read, These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, Hoshea is a Hebrew name which means salvation. Moses changed Hoshea's name to Joshua, a name which means the Lord is salvation. So, in changing this individual's name, Moses indicates who it is that provides salvation. We see the progression from a name meaning simply salvation to a name meaning more specifically the Lord is salvation. Perhaps the most interesting aspect of this name change is that Joshua is also derived from the Hebrew name Yeshua. It becomes clearer when looking at the meaning of these names. Remember that Yeshua means to deliver 
or rescue. We clearly see the concept of salvation within this name. In the opening pages of the New Testament, we read the birth narrative of the child who would be the Savior. Joseph and Mary were legally pledged to be married when an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. It's Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. that says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The reason his name shall be called Jesus is given by the angel. He will save his people. Certainly the concept of salvation is crystal clear. Jesus, a name derived from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means to deliver or rescue, will deliver, rescue, or save his people from their sins. Jesus. There certainly is something about that name. You know, we often sing a song written by Nida Hearn in 1974. As the story goes, when Nida, who lived in Palmerton, New Zealand, went to do the laundry, she had to go to the wash house behind her home. One particular evening, she made a list of all the names of Jesus that she could think of. Some of these names came from the Old Testament and some came from the New Testament. And One day, while going out to the wash house, Nida decided to take the list of names with her. She placed the list on the windowsill so she could think about the many names of Jesus. And while thinking about the names, she started singing. She said the first line just came to her. Jesus, name above all names. As Nida continued singing, the rest seemed to naturally flow. Jesus, name above all names. Beautiful Savior. Glorious Lord. Emmanuel. God is with us. Blessed Redeemer. Living Word. After singing this simple melody, she quickly went inside to write it down so as to not forget. Concerning this song, Nida said, That was all I wrote. And then I went back to the washing. It was just that simple. Certainly it is that simple. The name Jesus is indeed above all other names. Following the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, his disciples were privileged to walk and talk with the resurrected Lord. They had witnessed his ministry, his teaching, his compassion, his love, his sacrifice. And now they saw him conquer the last enemy, death. Luke, who's the author of Acts of the Apostles, recorded Jesus' final moments on earth with his disciples. Jesus gave them instructions for how they were to proceed as his ambassadors. Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. These are the last recorded words of Jesus to his followers before ascending into heaven. And with these words in view and the prior commission that Jesus gave to his disciples, 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. They knew their task was to spread the good news of the salvation God offers in Jesus. Pentecost was a celebration of the beginning of the early weeks of harvest. In this region, there, there were two harvest times each year. One during May and June, and the other occurred in the fall. Pentecost celebrated the first harvests beginning in May or June. It was the day of Pentecost. A large crowd was present in Jerusalem for this annual event. Just a few short days ago, Jesus had vanished into the air, out of the sight of his followers. And they were all gathered together in one place, having heeded the instruction of Jesus to wait for the promise of the Father, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This promise was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was the day of Pentecost, and the followers of Jesus were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. The sound of this miraculous event caught the attention of many who were present in Jerusalem, people from all nations under heaven, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. As these people came out to see what was happening, they began to hear the apostles' message in their own native language. Peter stood with the other apostles and delivered a message to those who had gathered. And following this message, Luke reveals to us that many of those present were cut to the heart, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, by the truth of Peter's speech. They were unsure as to what they ought to do. So they asked Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. What shall we do? This is the question that precipitated the most important statement of all. Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Did you notice what Peter said? Repent. And be baptized. Well, baptized into what? In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Following the healing of the lame beggar in Acts 3, Peter and John were brought before the Jewish council. The council asked them, By what power or by what name did you do this? Acts chapter 4 verse 7. Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, gave this response. Rulers of the people and elders, 
If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. Peter said, By the name of Jesus. There's salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's just something about that name. Another praise song that is often sung contains lyrics with this exact sentiment. The name Jesus seems to draw people in like no other. No doubt you'll recognize these familiar words. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. What is it about the name Jesus that is so special? After all, as was stated earlier, this name was a very popular name in the first century. So, what is it? The reality of humanity is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 2 verse 23. As a result, humanity is separated from God. Sin creates a barrier between God and mankind. Because of this, there exists the most foundational need of all, the need for salvation. Even though humanity is sinful, or because humanity is sinful, God so acted as to offer to humanity the salvation it so desperately needs. His gracious initiative is possible only through His love and mercy. His gift of love to humanity is seen in the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. Through God's gracious gift and through the humble attitude of Jesus, mankind can escape the death of bondage and experience the birth of freedom, a new life in Jesus. But humanity must respond to God's initiative of love. This response is seen through the development of faith in Jesus, turning one's life toward God, repenting of sins, and being baptized. Baptism is humanity's participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There are three promises of salvation that are reassuring to us. First, we receive forgiveness of our sins. God's forgiveness removes the barrier between himself and his creation. Second, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gives his spirit to all those that are converted, those who, through obedient faith, clothe themselves with Jesus. Finally, we receive eternal life. God brings everlasting life to all his people. How does he do this? 
He does this through his son, Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 verse 23. Eternal life is the free gift of God in Jesus. There is indeed something about that name. Because of him, we can be saved. Thanks be to God through Jesus. Romans 7, verse 25. I hope you've been encouraged by these words today. To find more on this topic or other spiritual matters, please visit lifeintherock.org. You can also visit Facebook and search Life in the Rock. I invite you to like, follow, and share this page with your family and friends. My prayer is that God will bless you today and that you will seek Him with all your heart. Thank you for listening.